beautiful faces. And uh, I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Colossians chapter 1. And Romans chapter 5. We got a lot to cover this morning. Uh, final week of our prayer series. Three weeks of our prayer series. Uh, excuse me, it's been six weeks, but we did three weeks of how to pray or how to pray, uh, pray and fast. Um, in these last three weeks, uh, during the 21 days of prayer, our focus has been three words that start with C, and that is communication. Um, and then last week, Pastor Cameron taught on... Pop quiz. I was in here. What did Pastor Cameron teach about last week? Starts with a C. It was so good and it played so many times online that it shut the whole internet down. Come on! Connection! Wow. All right, and today is going to be on communion. <laughs> communion. Ah, uh, yes, thank you for that. <laughs> is this thing on? Are you guys here this morning? Okay, communication, connection, and communion. Obviously, those words aren't important. What's important is prayer. What's important is that you guys are taking these steps towards uh, oneness and closeness with God. Uh, 21 days of prayer was our effort to help you and help us um, do that. Uh, how many of you uh, have participated in some way, shape, or form in the 21 days of prayer? Awesome. How many of you have maybe participated even just a little bit and maybe for the first time in uh, fasting? Uh, this, during the 21 days, curious if there's anyone from Conduit uh, that has participated at all in fasting. Okay, awesome, cool, good. Well, hopefully it's been a challenging time for you guys. Hopefully that's been a, a time where you've uh, withheld hunger for just in a simple way of food. So it increases a hunger for God uh, for a short period of time, obviously can get a little bit crazy, especially if you are a parent. Um, <laughs> you get hangry real quick. Um, and uh, if you've not done that before, if maybe that was the first time for a couple of you, um, that can be something that you definitely want to uh, try in small increments at first. But again, it's something that is a uh, thing, maybe a stretch for you. Um, but it's definitely a challenge. It's definitely something that I would encourage you to do. That's something that we've encouraged you to do during the 21 days connection has brought us to a place of communion. So today I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the benefit or the fruit of prayer, which is communion. Uh, when I say the word communion, I really mean closeness. So I want to spend uh, 
the bulk of our time today simply describing that. Communion equals closeness. Communion equals closeness. How many people in the room are introverts versus extroverts? Raise your hand if you're an introvert. Everybody must vote. I know we just did some like raise your hand and vote type things and like three of y'all in the room were participating. This is something everybody can play. Yes! This is like, what's my favorite color kind of question? And you, all right. How many introverts, even you introverts are like, Your extrovert husband or whatever is like, get your hand up. All right, introverts, raise it, raise it, raise it high, right? Introverts, okay? And, and when you're an introvert, you have to follow up by saying, you're, it's not that you don't like people, it's just that you find your energy when you're not around people, and you recharge because you're not around people. Yeah. All right, how many extroverts? Yeah, my people! Yes, I love church. Yes. Yes. 52 weeks a year. Or 52 Sundays a year. We get to be together. Closeness. There's something about an extrovert that you just get your energy from being around people, right? There's an excitement with that closeness, right? Um, and even if you're an introvert, um, which, I mean, having five children, we have this kind of weird, like, you find, I'm, I'm 36. Even though today I'm wearing Mr. Rogers sweater, I may look like I'm, I'm 56. Y'all were thinking it, weren't you? All right? The, the staff, we were praying, and the leaders, or the worship team was in there before, and they were like, Ellen had a great joke. She's like, are you going to bring an extra pair of shoes and change your shoes on when you get up? <laughs> I'm 36, not 56, but when you get to age 36, uh, uh, you get to this point where you're trying to, you find out things about yourself, or like things start to change, you're like, wait, <laughs> I'm getting old, what's happening? Um, and I started, I've been having these conversations with my wife, like, I suddenly like solitude, this is weird. Like, before, solitude would be like, where'd all the people go? <laughs> wait, <laughs> I need some people! Now I'm kind of like, leave me alone. <laughs> Everybody leave me alone. Just need not to talk. Uh, and there's something about that that's energizing as well. So I, I get both, both, both worlds. But understanding that when you're with people, uh, especially for long periods of time, um, it, 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 brings you, it brings you close. Not just in, in like physical proximity, but just even in... Um, how many people uh, fly on a regular basis? Okay, when you fly on a regular, even if it's a couple times a year, let's just say a couple times a year is a regular basis, right? When you're trapped, have you ever thought about this, like this idea of being trapped in a tube, like thousands of feet in the air, going really fast? Um, you're in proximity with these people, and it's really easy to like, especially if you fly on a regular basis, this is what I noticed, the first few times I've, I, I, I uh, flown in an airplane, flew in an airplane. Um, I was like making friends. I was like, this is awesome. We get to be together. What's your name? What's your name? 
Like, we're like, know where each other's from. But when you start to fly a lot more, you're like, you sit down, you're like, oh, I'm going to sit next to somebody. And you're like, putting your headphones on. You're just like, all right, when's the snack come in? And like, you're already, you know, can you identify? I think sometimes when you're uh, in that closeness, especially in proximity, you, you don't just become, um, you do become close, but it's also in that moment, it's easy to drift. Even if you're physically close to someone, over time, you still drift apart. And, and if you're married, you understand this, you understand this mentality. Um, I've had a privilege of, be, uh, I've had the privilege of, um, especially when I was a youth pastor, to be able to take um, teenagers on some missions trips. Even specifically here at Conduit, we took uh, a group of 22 um, to Honduras uh, last November. Now, if you've been on a missions trip, raise your hand if you've been on a missions trip. Um, there's something about a missions trip that um, bonds together the group. Uh, it's not just the fact that you're going on a trip. It's the fact that you're going on a trip and doing something, serving together. It gels together the group creates a closeness that, that all of a sudden you, you kind of like the, the shell, the facade of like maybe who they are or who you are, kind of like it fades away a little bit and you become your, your real self is shown and their real self is shown and you get to serve together and you get to be together and you experience closeness. I think that there is something I want to point out as we go, as we dive into quite a bit of scripture this morning, and I think this is the overarching theme, not just that communion, closeness is just another word for communion. I think, I think I need to just say this right out front. We are hardwired for closeness. We are hardwired for closeness. You were made for communion. You were made for communion. Think about this. Before the fall, Adam and Eve. But even after the fall, we were made for closeness. Think about all of the beautiful moments of life. They're centered around the idea of closeness with other people. Now, think about all of the most damaging, hurtful things in life. Isn't that also centered around the absence of closeness and communion of other people? I know I just went really deep there for a moment, but like, it, isn't that true? That sometimes the deepest hurts we ever experience is because of those that are close to us hurt us the most. Those that we work with or live with or married to, or friends or whatever. There's something about closeness that we, above all, I want you to remember this idea that we are hardwired closeness. It's how God has made you. And I, I have this 
I want to say this loud and clear. God has gifted us with one another. And he's made us for closeness. And he's not made us for closeness so that we can squirm and experience pain of not having it. He's made us for closeness so, yes, we can experience it on earth, but not just with one another. Every, every, um, uh, every ounce of closeness that we experience with one another is simply just, listen, because some of y'all are still stuck on where I was just a moment ago. You're, 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 you're wondering deep in the hurt and the pain of what I, where I just was. I want you to come back. All the goodness of the closeness that God has, has, has gifted us and he's wanting for us to experience with people in our lives, that is just supposed to be, listen, that is just supposed to be a snapshot, a picture, a taste of the closeness with God. Because I stand here and I've experienced it. And I have to, at the end of the day, remind myself, not just of the gospel, but the understanding that God, that Jesus Christ, will never leave me. He will never forsake me. No matter what I do, he's not going to give up on me. He doesn't love me because of what I've done or haven't done. He doesn't love me because of the way I look or don't look. He doesn't love me because of the job I do or the job I don't do. He doesn't love me because of the family I'm from or the town I'm from or how old I am or how young I am. He doesn't love me because how much money I have in my bank account or how much money I don't have. He loves me because that's who he is. God is love. It's his character. And not because he's obligated to do so. Because it's in his character to do so. It's who he is. And it's who he's made us to be. It's who he's made us to receive that love. And so we can search our whole life for closeness on this earth with one another. But even the best, the most amazing closeness that we'll experience will only be a taste, a glimpse of the closeness that we'll have, the communion that we'll have with God the Father through his son Jesus. Um, let's go to, let's start in John 15. Let's go there. Yeah, hopefully you guys are, the context of, of why I want to start in John 15 is, is this idea of being connected to the vine, being connected to God, uh, being connected to the source uh, of God. Uh, this, we're, we're in the middle, I'd say we're headed into the final week of our 21 days of prayer. Um, if you're new to Conduit, or maybe perhaps this is something you picked up the first week and haven't had a chance to, to really dive into this, there are plenty of these on your way out. Or we have these same books that are made, uh, these same 21-day devotionals for uh, children uh, that you can have. These are free, obviously. Um, also, it is at 21daysofprayer at conduit.com uh, in case you have someone that doesn't live here or you forget it or you lost yours. Um, 
every day there's a devotional um, that you can walk through um, that kind of walks you through the idea of prayer and that connection with God and being connected to the vine, connected to the source, which is God. Um, we've been walking, uh, if 21 days obviously is three weeks, we've been praying through uh, what our focus always is for Conduit, which is our home, our church, and our city. Uh, the first week, the focus of prayer was on our home, and our home representing not just our homes that we live in, but our heart um, and personal revival. Um, and then this, this past week, our focus was on the church, um, Conduit, uh, but also the local church um, in Jamestown, uh, the church in the United States, um, that God would, uh, we're praying for revival in the United States of America, and also the church around the world, specifically the persecuted church. Um, and then the city is this coming week. And even some of the songs that we sang this morning were themed around that. Um, and we're not going to spend a lot of time this morning uh, talking about that. But I want to encourage you as, you're head, as you head into this week, and you have these opportunities both tomorrow morning, tomorrow night, um, Friday morning and Friday night, uh, to gather and pray with us. If you've not yet grabbed or, or owned one of these, um, they're in the back. Um, this is our vision 2025. But this has everything to do with how the home flows into the church, which flows into the city. Really, this is describing what we desire and dream for the city of Jamestown. For every man, woman, and child, um, what we're desiring for God to do, not just for Jamestown, but for the cities in this region. Um, and what we're praying, as, as we're praying for big things, we're praying for God to use us. And so... We believe in the power of prayer. We believe that we're not talking to the air. We believe we're talking to the king of all. We're, we're asking God to do big and great things. And so I want to just remind you of that um, as, we, uh, as we go forward. If you've not yet um, had an opportunity to, to jump into that, please, please do. Um, you, won't, you won't regret it. Okay, John 15. John 15, I, verse 1, it says, I am, this is Jesus talking, I am the true vine. I am my father, is, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. This is, this is simply decluttering. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. This is that, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it, is, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You hear that? Apart from me, not me, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Nothing of value, nothing of worth, nothing of eternal impact. Apart from Christ will last. 
He's challenging us to be connected to the vine because that is what ultimately will last. It may feel good. It may be comfortable. It may bring you great financial gain. It may give you ultimate respect in the community. It may bring you up the ladder of your career. It may do all these great things in your family and Thanksgiving gatherings with your family. Maybe everybody will clap. But if it's not done through Jesus, it will be of nothing of eternal impact. Apart me, you can do nothing, he says. If nothing, excuse me, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and they're thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. As my Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Every time it's, we've said this word a few times. Every time it says the word abide... Another word for that, or an easier word to understand, uh, remain. Maybe even in the translation you use, remain in my love. So he's not talking to someone that's like grasping this for the first time. He's talking to someone that gets this. That they know the goodness of God. That they know and they've received the salvation of Jesus. That they know God has saved them. They know God has come for them. They know that Jesus has died for their sins. They know that they're connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. But there's been this period of time where they've just been disconnected. And they see these branches that have withered and these things in their life. That, that whether it's sin or just laziness. Or just things that have not been surrendered. And there's just extra clutter as it is in my home. With five million children running around. There's like... Things just all the time. Like, where did that even come from? That you consistently have to pick up or, like, get rid of or put in its place. Or many things literally just take to the back, burn pile, and burn. Not the kids, but the stuff, right? You're with me, right? Um, he's essentially drawing attention to that. Yes, connect yourself to the vine, but there are times where there's a pruning, a cutting, a piling and a burning. Remain in his love. Let me go on. If you keep my commandments, you will remain or abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I love this because there are a couple places where Jesus refers to us as followers of Jesus, as we are children. Of God. Specifically, Paul um, refers to us as fellow heirs of the kingdom with Christ. With Christ. And Jesus is almost talking here as if we're fellow heirs. You want to talk about honor and abiding and in relationship. Jesus isn't talking. Jesus is, Jesus is God with skin. Jesus 
is King of kings, of Lord of lords. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Actually, let me jump. I'm jumping. You guys ready? We're going to Colossians 1. It says, Colossians 1.15. This is Jesus we're talking about, all right? Holy. No human has ever lived a holy life. Jesus lived a holy life. 33 years, never sinned. Came as a perfect, spotless, without blemish. Spotless lamb lived, died, raised from the dead for you and for me. This is the King of kings, Lord of lords. Verse 15, the preeminence of Christ. He is the image, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. Are you all with me? This is your Savior. This is our God. For all things were created by him in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that everything might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Every part of God the Father, every part of God the Creator, every part of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, everything that is God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, was okay to crunch and package and put in Jesus Christ of Nazareth from Galilee. Everything was pleased to put inside of this man that lived 33 years. Everything was pleased to dwell in this man and through him to reconcile. Listen, reconciliation is a two-player game. God set it up. He lobbed this ball to us. Listen, reconcile is a two-player game. Let's say that again. He lobbed the ball to us. Has somebody ever like thrown a ball to you? Even if you're not like a sports nut and you're like, you're like this, I don't, I don't know how to catch. But like somebody literally throws you something. Like slow motion and you get all panicked. You're like, ah, ah. And you're like, you go to catch it, right? Whether it's keys or a watermelon or a basketball, whatever it is. You still, you're like, ah, you get ready. Well, that's God. He's reconciling himself to you. He's giving you time. In fact, he's given 2019 years for you, however old you are, he's given you all this time. He's allowed to, like, here he comes. And you're freaking out. You need to know that this reconciliation is coming. It's a two-player game. You've got to catch it. You have to understand to receive it. And everything changed. Reconciliation happens at this moment. He's reconciling himself all things, whether on earth whew, or in heaven. He is making peace by the blood of his cross. Maybe you're new to church. You need to understand this. When you come forward, you're like, why do we take bread and we dip it in juice? I don't understand. Like, I, here, I get it. I'm so practical. Like, and I'm not into, like, the super churchy stuff. You need to understand the reason why we do that. We do that in remembrance of Christ. And he's challenged the church to do that as a sacrament. A sacrament is something that you... 
Um, it's like a tradition that you practice, okay? And you basically take the bread, the bread which is just a, a token, a remembering moment. Um, and you take that, and it represents the body of Christ, and you rip it, and it represents his body that was broken on the cross for you. If you notice, Katie or myself or Pastor Cameron said, the body of Christ is broken for you. Broken for you. And the blood of Christ that was shed, that was burst, that poured out, that dripped down for you. Do you understand? Like, I know that sounds gory, and it was. He was murdered for you. That blood, blood is always a representation of life. And his blood was taken and leaked out. Poured out, gushed out, so it could rush. That, that life left him, so it could rush, so it could be lobbed to you, so you could be reconciled to God. This is Jesus, you making peace by the blood of his cross, and you were once who were, oh man, this is where it gets good, y'all, who were once alienated who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you a holy and blameless above reproach before him. If indeed you continue to in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you've heard. Do you hear that? We were hostile because of our sin to a holy God. We were hostile because of our sin to a holy God. And he is reconciling us to him. Jesus is reconciling us to a holy God. This should blow our minds. Our sin has separated us from God. Our sin, our decisions have stiff-armed God. Not, not, okay, not just you, not just your decisions. This is something that we've inherited. This is something that we've inherited from Adam and Eve when they sinned in the garden, when God told them not to eat the fruit. And they both sinned against God. They ultimately, the weight of that sin, the weight of that sin was put on Adam. Because it goes on to talk about how the weight of one man's sin, Adam, entered the world, and death by sin, one man's sin, the first man, enters in the second Adam, Jesus. If one man came, the first man came to mess it all up because of his disobedience, a second Adam came and because of Jesus. And because of his obedience, the fruit of his righteousness gives us freedom and hope. So it's not just our daily sin. 
It's not just the sins we've committed in, in my 36 years. It's the sins that we've committed, that we've inherited through generation to generation to generation. And this is essentially, again, back to the whole, I don't understand church. I don't understand all the churchy stuff. This is why it's important that Jesus was born of a virgin. Because the sin of, from one father to the next father to the next father to the next father, men, were, who ate the fruit first? Woman, woman, woman. Who, who's ultimately responsible for that? Men. Who's taking the, the weight of that sin? Men. Who left the woman wondering that there might be something better than God's presence? Adam, the man. Who, who then, who then, some of y'all, you ladies are like, yeah, yeah. National Women's Day. Yeah. Um, death by sin with one man and another man, Jesus, came to save the day. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We were hostile to a holy God because of our sin. It doesn't stop there. We have stiff-armed God. We have, we have been made, this is a powerful word here. Romans chapter 5. If you're not turning there, and if you're not seeing it on uh, your phone, hopefully you'll see this on the screen because this word is powerful. Romans chapter 5 and verse 10 says that we were, for we were enemies. We were enemies. Have you ever thought about the fact that we were enemies with God? You're like, wait a minute. I was like, hmm, wait a minute. Don't you tell me what I am? Yeah. Like, I was, man, I was raised in a home that taught me how to love God and stuff like that. I'm not an enemy of, no. Our sin, our sin has created us enemies with God. You see, God, I said earlier, God's character is love. That's who he is. It's one of his main attributes. But the most powerful attribute of God, the most glaring, obvious attribute of God, the Father, is his holiness. He is holy. God is light, and in him, in him is no darkness at all. And our sin cannot, our darkness cannot be in his presence, period. We've been made enemies with God. Now, some of y'all are like, dude, this, this is like some bad news, man. <coughs> y'all know where I'm going 
The rest of the verse is the good news. For if while we were enemies, for if while we were enemies, that word enemies, ekthros is the Greek word. Ekthros is the Greek word. It means bent on inflicting harm. Bent on inflicting harm. This is the idea even for us as followers of Jesus. If you go, we're not going there now, but if you, listen Christians, listen followers of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, listen to me, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you read that next chapter, this is sobering because I'm talking to myself too. That next chapter, Romans chapter 6, talks about us that willfully keep sinning. We know what's right and we keep sinning. We know what hurts the heart of God and we keep sinning. We keep running our own way. We keep wanting more grace. We keep sinning. It's this idea of this ekthros, this idea that we are bent on inflicting harm. Like, God, I love you, but I'm still bent on inflicting harm on you. I love you, I worship you, but I'm still bent on inflicting harm on you. I'm bringing what you did on the cross to this why I'm reopening those wounds, so to speak, even though it is completely finished. But I have to stop myself. I have to, like, put down my own desires, and I have to pick up my cross, and I have to submit to Almighty God, Holy God, on behalf of what Christ has done, what he set me free. I have to throw the chain, and I have to be set free in Christ. And I have to realize that this verse says that we were Enemies, we were, we were, we used to be, we once were, but we reconciled. He's lobbed it to us. We are reconciled to God by the death of his son much more now that we are reconciled. Now, guys, this is great news. Now that we are reconciled. This is not like hopefully someday y'all get your crap to get, or it doesn't say that in the Bible. <laughs> At some point... Take this class, pay this much money, get this tattoo, whatever it is. Like, no, now that you are reconciled, shall we be saved from this by this life? Yes. Rewind Romans chapter one, 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we were bent, since we have been justified. By faith, what is justified? It means we are declared righteous. Hello, have you guys ever been to a place, like maybe it's your birthday, and you think that everybody's forgot, especially y'all adults. You're like, it's my birthday, and like, if I can just like get through the day, and I don't want anybody to know it's my birthday. But you know you got like that loud friend that's an extrovert, and you're in a crowd, maybe you're a restaurant, or maybe at work, and you're like, hey, y'all, I got to let everybody know it's, it's her birthday. And you're like, oh my goodness. And they declare loud and clear that it's your birthday. It's like that moment. Jesus is declaring your righteousness. You are justified by your faith. You're here today and you're like, man, I, I do believe that Jesus lived. I do believe that he died on that cross. I do believe he was a spotless lamb. I do believe that his sacrifice, and he died in three days. He was so dead. His life, his blood poured out. 
And I believe after three days, God the Father raised him from the dead. I believe he did that for me. I believe he did that for my sins. Let me tell you, if you believe that, that's called faith. Faith in Jesus and what he's done, that saves you. Jesus is standing next to you and he's saying, Hey, y'all, I want to declare to my Father God in heaven and everybody around, I'm declaring you righteous. It's just as if you never sinned. You are declared righteous before God, through him, we might have obtained access by faith in him who have obtained this access. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in the sufferings and the sufferings, knowing that the suffering produces endurance. So where are you at? Where are you at? Are you struggling in your faith? Are you struggling to obey? Are you struggling not to sin? Well, guess what? You're a part of the team then. If you're not struggling with sin, I'm worried about you. I'm worried about you. And I want to get your tips. I want to get, like, your pointers. Can we just talk after? Like, if you've conquered this thing, man, and you got this all figured out, you got your, your life and your marriage and your, and your everything else figured out, like, stay after. You're preaching next week, by the way, because... <laughs> You got it all figured out. But for the rest of us, that's what conduit is. Conduit is church for the rest of us. Because we're reading the word and we see this over and over and over. Not that we're bragging in our shortcomings. Not that we're bragging in our failings. But we read this and we understand that we have this endurance. Not just in our sufferings of our circumstance. But in our sufferings of understanding that we struggle with our sin. That we struggle how long has that been down there? That we struggle in obeying what the word says. We struggle in doing the right things. We struggle in forgiving one another. We struggle with believing that he loves us. We struggle with believing of who he says we are. And how the Holy Spirit has given us freedom. So we jump back to John 15 in this closeness with what Jesus says about us. <laughs> and he says, hey guys, since we've said all that and now that you know all that, I just, I just have one thing I want to say to you. I sa- and I'm saying this in, J- in John 15, 11, he says, I'm saying these things so that your joy would be full. Saying these things to you so that you would have joy and that your joy would be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than that he would lay down his life for his friends. There's no better way to describe closeness than the word friend. Jesus Jesus calls them his friends. Jesus calls you his friend. He's God. He's God. 
He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He has hardwired you to be his friend. He has hardwired you to be near to him. Not just, not just for eternity, but right now. Right now. My challenge to you right now at the end, just, just super simple. Wherever you're at, assess where you're at with God. Far? Kind of close? I don't know. I've never really thought about it. Assess where you're at. And take one, two, maybe three steps towards God. Here's what you're going to find. All of a sudden, whether you took one or two or three steps, God's with you. God's near you. Listen, he wants the closeness. He wants communion way more than you do. Listen, he wants closeness and communion way more than you do. He was willing to die for it. He was willing to die for it, and he ain't leaving. He ain't leaving you. He ain't forsaking you. He ain't giving up. So this morning, if you need prayer, please come to the front. If you need prayed for, come find one of us, or come to the front. Someone will come pray with you. And um, let me just close as we sing. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you that you've, you've come near to us. Thank you that you have done everything. You've done everything. All we got to do is receive it. We praise you for this. We thank you for this. God, I pray uh, in this room right now, God, I pray for I pray for the hurting hearts, God. May your closeness, may communion with you heal them. They, they want their stuff and their thing fixed. They could list it out. But maybe there's something different you want them first to have. Maybe something even better, which is closeness with you. Maybe they're here today, God, and maybe they have that closeness. Maybe they're connected to the vine. Maybe they just enjoy this moment of communion and closeness with you. And maybe they do have that. Maybe there's some people that, there are some branches that need cut down. And maybe this morning as they come and they pray, maybe... It's a simple sign of just piling the branches for you to burn. It's throwing them at your altar. Say, God, here it is. I don't need this. I don't want this. This isn't what you want. I give it to you. They're yours. 
So God, we surrender to you right now and we praise you for what you've done. Spirit move.